I'm going to give you some quick history so we can walk out of here today saying I learned something, all right? Now, the first, uh, first Samuel is over a period of about 100 years. About 100 years. We're going to see the story of Hannah, Eli. We're going to see the story of, uh, of, of Eli, Samuel, David. It's going to continue on. And then 2 Samuel actually took over uh, the course of 50 years. And so we're going to be spending some more time in 1 Samuel. And then in 2 Samuel, it's going to be about half that time. And what's interesting in, during these books is, you know, how many know the story? Moses, let my people go, went into the promised land. From the promised land, God said, you can't go, but Joshua's going to go. So Joshua took God's people into the promised land. And Joshua said, as for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord, but you're going to have to figure it out. And so in, in, in during this period, we begin to see judges take place. They appointed judges. Judges were the ones that would say, I'm going to make decisions. We'll help you out. And then, uh, then, then there was prophets, and prophets would hear from God and bring a voice of the Lord to the people. And then uh, after prophets, then there were kings because God's people, and not us today, right, but God's people had a submission problem, right? And so God was like, let's do judges. Oh, no, that's not good enough. Let's do prophets. You know, okay, that's not good enough. Let's do kings. And we see this in Judges chapter 21. It says, in these days Israel had no king. All the people did whatever seemed right in their own eyes. They had no truth. They had no barometer. They had no, no compass. They, they, they just said, this feels good, so let's do this. How many know God's word applies today? Amen. That a lot of times we just, I'm just going to do what, what, what I think works and what, what, what feels right. But anytime we do that and I can put my hand up first, I get in trouble. I'm the one that screws myself up. But, it, but I want you to see this here. In the days Israel had no king, all the people did whatever seemed right in their own eyes, even the priests. So now Liv beautifully introduced uh, Hannah and, uh, and the priest Eli. But here I want to read this in 1 Samuel chapter 2. So she spent some time in chapter 1 with us. Today we're going to spend time in chapter 2. And it says, now the sons of Eli were scoundrels. How many would like that, huh? Like the pastor's son was a scoundrel. Like, and that was probably a nice word they used. And, and as we read on, we're going to find out it was a nice word that they used. They were scoundrels who had no respect for the Lord or for their duties as priests. Whenever anyone offered a sacrifice, Eli's sons would send over a servant with a three-pronged fork. While the meat of the sacrificed animal, so they said, God, I'm going to bring you an animal. I'm going to sacrifice it on the altar. It's a whole other message. But they were still boiling. The servant would stick the fork into the pot. And this was the priest, the, the, the boys. And they would demand that whoever brought it be given to Eli's sons. And the Israelites who came to worship at Shiloh were treated this way. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Father, I pray, may this not just be information, but Father, let it be transformation. Transform our lives. Help us to apply, uh, man, not just this historical document, but help us to apply your words that brings life into our lives and change us forever. In Jesus' mighty name, I pray. Everybody said, amen, amen and amen. Uh, I, I don't know if I'm enjoying the weather uh, quite yet. It's getting a little warm. Now, Texas was like, I mean, it, uh, why am I wet? I was just wet all the time, you know, that humidity. And, uh, uh, but this last Friday, um, Lindsay and I, we, we spent time doing yard work. Any yard work people in here? You know, like yard work? Yeah. It's, it's amazing, isn't it? I hate it. And um, so she, she did some stuff, and I said, babe, go inside. And, and I, I, it took me six hours to do yard work. Six hours to do our, our yard. And uh, because how many know? 
I hate it, and uh, if you hate something, you're not going to do it. And uh, so it was, instead, of, instead of maintaining our yard, it was extreme demolition, all right? It was, had to get in there. And, and so after about six hours and in the heat, and, and, and any project I do, I have to go to, you know, Home Depot. You know what I mean? Like, like I'm in the middle of a project. It's like, I guess I need trimmers, you know, and just all these things. And, so I come in after six hours, and I was like, whoo, and, and, I, and I'm telling you, I'm not looking for pity. I mean, I was like, I'm middle-aged now, so I was like, look at these bushes, you know what I mean? Like, like mm, your boy did good, you know, and look at this, <laughs> the things we care about, you know. And, and so I went inside, and, and, and Pastor Lindsay goes, hey, I, I, ran, to, I ran to the store, and I'm going to make your favorite lunch. I'm going to make you chicken nachos, you know, and I was like, babe, you know, and, and then she was like, the yard looks so good. It looks so good. I was like, say it again, you know, like, it's so good. Just give me these accolades, and, and I was like, I agree. It, it does look good. We did a good job together. We, we did a good job together and had lunch, and, and then I had to get Levi out, and, and so we took off with Levi. She text messages me. She texts me. The yard looks so good. And I went, babe, I'm going to do the yard next Friday, you know, like, I'm going to get back out there again. I like this. This is awesome. The title of my message today is what gets rewarded gets repeated. What gets rewarded gets repeated. Come on, somebody. You'd be like, go to the gym, baby. Go. But what gets rewarded gets repeated. And I kind of want to see here today just for a moment because really, if you really, if it really boils down to this phrase, really maybe we can update this phrase today that what gets rewarded gets repeated really is what gets rewarded is really what's valuable to us. It's really what's valuable to us. What's a value to us? Anytime Levi does something and it's a good thing and it's something that we value, we have God's values in our house. And so whether he does something that reflects God's values, we reward him. We reward him verbally. Sometimes we pay him. I don't know. You know what I mean? Like there's just things that we do to reward what we want, gets, that we want to be repeated. But how many of you know also, it's kind of the, the other side of that coin, that have you ever not punished somebody for something? Or maybe Levi does something, or, or maybe at workplace, an employee or, or your boss, maybe they don't uh, reprimand you. Maybe, maybe there's no correction. Maybe there's no confrontation. Maybe there's no, hey, hey, I, I love that you, 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 you tried or you did that, but that's not how we do things. That's not what's valuable to us. And a lot of times our silence becomes our consent. And there's a phrase called the, the illusion, uh, the, go ahead, the illusion of truth. And this effect is a tendency to believe that false information to be correct after repeated exposure. And so if, if I continue to do something and no one rewards me, nor does anyone reprimand me, then I think it's okay to continue to do. A lot of times, maybe sometimes that reward will be, uh, uh, hey, I, I need you to do as I say, but don't do as I do. How's that phrase go? Right? Uh, you know, uh, I, I, I'm an adult. I'm going to do that, but you, you know, I'm going to do this, but you're a child. You have to do that. And sometimes there can be a, a, a confusion, and there could be a moment where we go, I did something. No one corrected me. Therefore, I have permission to do it. And we see this in the story of 2 Samuel, because a lot of times what is allowed often gets repeated. 
What is allowed often gets repeated. Now, 1 Samuel chapter 2, it says, now the sons of Eli were scoundrels. Now, uh, Eli was the high priest. Under him, he had his two sons that were priests in the temple at Shiloh. They had no respect for the Lord or for their duties as priests. Continues on, and, 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 and this is kind of me. This is kind of like my confrontation. I want you to know the sons of Eli, I want you to know their names, all right? These guys are scoundrels. Let's find out who they are. First Samuel chapter 1, it says, Each year, uh, uh, Hannah and Elkanah would travel to Shiloh to worship and to sacrifice to the Lord of Heaven's armies at the tabernacle. They would bring their offering. They would bring their, their best of their best every single year. This is the equivalent of us going to church every single Sunday. And then the priests of the Lord at the time were the two sons of Eli. Here's the scoundrels, all right? The, the scoundrels is Hophni and Phinehas. We're just going to call these guys Phineas and Hoph. Is that cool? Or Phineas and Ferb, maybe? Okay, we'll do that one. That was easier. And so Eli's sons, Phineas and Ferb, did not enjoy their job. They, were, they, were, they did not respect the Lord. And so we continue on to see this is some of the stuff they did. A man offering sacrifice might say, take as much as you want. But the fat must be burned first. This belongs to the Lord. This is, this is the best. This is the 10%, whatever it is. Then the servant would demand, don't give it to me now or I will take it by force. I will take it from you. No, uh, take it by force. So the sins of these young men of Phineas and Ferb was very serious in the Lord's sight. For they treated the Lord's offering with contempt. With contempt. Can I just tell you, um, and I say this with all seriousness, um, church abuse is not something new today. Here we see church abuse right here. And I, and I, and I wonder how many were, have walked out of the temple at Shiloh with some temple hurt, with some church hurt, because, because these young men didn't revere or respect the Lord. I, this is not my notes, but... Man if, you, if we want to, man, if we want to go to a life-giving church, just make sure everybody there fears the Lord, that they love the Lord. And so they, they treat the Lord's offerings with contempt. Contempt means to be disobedient towards a court of law or a legislative body. And so we take it even further. Contempt means, you know what, you have your rules, but I'm going to place myself first. I'm going to take care of me. I'm going to abuse the system. I'm, I'm going to uh, take care of me first. And so a lot of times as preachers, we try to say, okay, we're going through this story. You know, uh, man, what areas, you know, I always ask the Lord, this wasn't written, written to me, it was written for me. So how does this apply to my life? And the one question I had to ask, and I found this in the commentary, they said, what area in your life, in my life, have I placed God second? Because instead of burning the sacrifice to the Lord, they said, I want it first, and then the Lord can have it second. The Lord can have the leftovers. God, I mean, if you receive a major financial blessing, instead of giving God the first 10% of your first fruits, and this is, and this is between you and the Lord. But sometimes we go, you know what, I got stuff to take care of. Or maybe there's a schedule or something that we have to do. And, and so we say, you know what, the church isn't, very, isn't that important. Maybe, maybe just this one time we'll, we'll, we'll do this. But so many times we place ourselves first when it just comes to loving people. 
instead of just going out of our way, instead of being the, the, the phrase, you know, uh, Jesus with skin on, which is I always, like, I always have a weird picture when people say that. What? But, man, what areas are we placing God second? But here's Eli. Eli was, he was very old. That's what the Bible says. He was very old. But he was aware of what his sons were doing to the people of Israel. What, what gets rewarded gets repeated. Often what gets allowed gets repeated. They were even uh, stating that Eli, through uh, some deep study, that he was, and you read this, we'll read this in 1 Samuel chapter 4, but we'll read that Eli was actually an a, a obese man. He was gluttonous. And in his gluttony, they believe he was also an alcoholic. And with that, he never corrected his sons because they don't know how available he really was, even though he had the giftings and callings, even though he could still bless people and the Lord would answer the prayers of, of Eli because that's how good our God is. But he, he, he had an issue with his sons. He saw what they were doing to the people of Israel. He knew for an instance that his sons were seducing young women who assisted at the entrance of the tabernacle. Eli finally approaches them. We've been hearing reports from people about wicked things you're doing. Why do you keep sinning? You must stop my sons. And this is what he says. Eli's sons would not listen to their father, for the Lord was already planning to put them to death. Man, this is a good Sunday morning message, huh? Right? <laughs> like, I woke, I, like, I grew up watching Thief in the Night. If you, don't know, if you know what that is, meet me in the lobby. I'm going to hug you. You know what I mean? He's just going to... Because I, will, I, I, I grew up, excuse me, I grew up always thinking the Lord was mad at me. The Lord is going to get me. I was afraid of God. But later on in life, I had to learn that a, 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 being afraid of God is not the same thing as having a fear of the Lord. A fear of the Lord. A fear of the Lord. Here's, and, and so Phineas and Ferb did not have a fear of the Lord. The, 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 whatever, Cartoon Network's going to sue me now, you know. But here's what the fear of the Lord is. And I want to make it as practical as I can. The Bible says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. I just talked to someone who's, to Brenda, you're 70, you're, you're, you're 50 years old. No, she's, you know, 70 years old. She said, I've been praying for God to give me knowledge and wisdom. That's the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is saying, God, I cannot do this on my own. God, I want to I wanna do it your way. God, I want to put you first. God, I revere you. God, I respect you. God, I'm not afraid of you. But there is a holy reverence of the Lord. John Bevere said the fear of God is the beginning of everything good. And why does he say that? Because Psalms 128 says this, blessed is everyone who fears the Lord. When we have a healthy respect for Jesus Christ, for the Lord, our Savior, guess what happens? Blessing begins to fall into our life. <laughs> Blessings begin to take place. All who walk in your ways, you shall eat of the fruit of the labor of your hands. You shall be blessed and shall be it with you. What in the world does this mean? This means obedience that gets repeated gets rewarded. And so I wish I could do a whole message on fear of the Lord. Uh, there's books on this. There's deep study on this. I'm, I'm going to walk through our, our men. Uh, we're going to have, we have men's dinner once a month at Jason's Deli. We are solving the world's problems at Jason's Deli, everybody. 
And, we're, I'm, and I'm going to be teaching on the fear of the Lord. And guess what? I love our, our group of men. If you want to join us, please join us. Go to avenuechurch.cc forward slash groups. You'll see dinner with, with Jeremy. And, uh, and with that, I am also learning from our men as well. Because iron sharpens iron. But here it says, God, the Lord will put them, God already put it in his mind to put them to death. In 1 Samuel chapter 4, we're going to go, we're going to go two chapters ahead. The Philistines fought. Israel was defeated. They fled every man to his home. There was a very great slaughter. 30,000 foot soldiers of Israel fell. And we'll get to this point. We'll talk about the context of this in a few weeks. The ark of God, which was the presence of God, was captured. And the two sons of Eli, Phinehas and Ferb, died. They died. And a lot of times we look at this and go, wow, God's mean. Like I have an 11-year-old and and he's like, we'll read in the Old Testament together as a family. He's like, I was kind of a jerk. <laughs> you know? Because here's what I want you to understand. God isn't mean. He's biblical. Which is good. It's a good thing. Now, in our context today, if I sin, am I going to die outside these doors? I hope not. You know, like, that would really hurt us as a church. But I want you to see this. But Samuel, but Samuel, he is our example today. But Samuel... But Samuel, he was still in that temple. He was in the very same temple as Phineas and Ferb. He was in the same temple as Eli. We learned last week, Hannah said, I want to give you my one and only son, my miracle, my gift. I'm going to give him to the Lord. And it said, but Samuel, though he was only a boy, three or four years old, he served the Lord. He wore a linen garment like that of a priest. I want you to know, you're not, God's not going to kill you. He's not going to slain you. God's not mad at you. We have the grace of God that we find in the New Testament. Jesus died and paid the price for that death. Amen. Can I get an amen, everybody? But we also still have a role to play. And it said that Samuel, he, he, was, he was serving the Lord, and he wore a linen garment like that of a priest. I love this. The linen garment was at uh, ephod, and an ephod was what the high priest wore. And so he was wearing, he was playing dress up. He was wearing what he was going to wear, wear someday. And so what does that mean for us today? I want you to dress for the job you want, not the job that you have. Everyone can clap right there. That's a good one, right? Is that good? I mean, I'm trying, I'm trying. But dress for the job you want, man, not the job that you have. Man, so many times we say, man, this is tough, this is difficult. What would, what would the Holy Spirit say to me today? The Holy Spirit would say, today I created you anew in Christ. Today you're a new creation. Today you get to put on the garment of praise. Today is the day that we, we walk this thing out called faith and called life. Today, not tomorrow, not next week. You know what I mean? We don't have a send the purge out of our pantry before we start our religious diet. You know, like it says today. And so you might say, man, I want, I want, a, God, I want a great spouse someday. I want to marry someone who is so godly. She's got blonde hair. She laughs at my jokes, you know, like, like, I, like I want to marry somebody godly. You know what God would say? God would say, but be a godly person today. Be a godly person today. Dress for the job you want. How about a promotion at work? I wish they would just promote me. You know what? If they won't promote me, I'm going to silently quit. 
I'm just going to show up, do bare minimum, and walk out because that's above my pay grade. You know what the Holy Spirit would say? The Holy Spirit would say, work like you're the owner today. You go the second mile. Man, you begin to make a difference in that community, in that workplace, that work environment. You be the crazy Christian. Be like, God is good all the time. <laughs> How about um, a platform and an audience? Man, I want to get on YouTube, I want to get on TikTok, and I want you to get on YouTube, and I want you to get on TikTok, and I want you to make an influence for the kingdom of heaven. But you what the Holy Spirit would say, let your life be a sermon today. Man, let your life be a message today. (laughs) Pastor Lindsay and I, we will never stand on this platform if this platform doesn't line up with our private life. My public life is, it's, it's, my public life is an overflow from my private life with the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. There's such a holy fear and a holy reverence of God. And so he says, he put on garments. These garments we find in Exodus chapter 20. I'm going to go a little quick here. Exodus chapter 20. Make sacred garments for Aaron the priest, who are glorious and beautiful. Instruct all the craftsmen who are filled with the spirit of wisdom. Find people with the fear of the Lord, and they're going to make some beautiful garments. Have them make garments for Aaron that will distinguish him as a priest set apart for my service. What is the garment that we're to wear today? If I were to walk out of this place today and say, I'm going to put on a garment of praise. What is the garment that we're to put on today? How are we to be set apart? This is how we're to be set apart. Let there be no sexual immorality, impurity, or greed among you. Such sins have no place against, uh, amongst God's people. And a lot of times we read this and go, doing good. I'm doing okay. <laughs> you know, like, I struggle a little bit, but I'm doing good. But then it continues on to say, man, don't, don't, don't tell fictitious stories. Don't exaggerate. Don't have foolish talk. Don't coarse jokes. These are not for you. Instead, let there be thankfulness to God. Man, don't be negative. Be thankful. And this is, this is how we're set apart. We can be sure that no immoral, impure, or greedy person, someone who's putting themselves first and, and not God first, will inherit the kingdom of Christ and of God. For a greedy person is an idolater worshiping the things of this world. Praise God. God is good, right? I mean, it's like, ugh. But this is what happens when we go line by line, verse by verse in God's word. If we were to walk through today and say, you know what, I'm a POD. I'm a priest on duty. You know what, I'm wearing a garment today. And man, friends, I'll screw up. I'll mess up. I'll lose my temper. I'll get angry. I won't always put Jesus first. I won't always put others first. I won't always put my family first. I I screw up my mess up. But every single day I put on a garment. I put on my, my priestly Garments. Exodus chapter 20, uh, it says, These are garments there to make a chest piece, an ephod, a robe, a tunic, a turban, and a sash. They are to make these sacred garments for your brother. So what are we to wear today? Am I to, am I to have like the purple robe? Like if Pastor Jeremy got come out next week with the, with the choir gown? How many talking about, right? No, this is the garment that we are to wear. This is what the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 6. Therefore, put on. Man, put on. Man, put on your priestly garments. Put on God's armor. I want you to walk around with the belt of truth, not the truth of them, not the truth of the world, not even my truth, but I'm going to stand on God's truth and the body of armor for God's righteousness. I love it's body armor. When people look at me, may people see that I'm righteous before God. I'm not perfect. 
but let them see I'm doing my best. Let them see, man, I pray my life is such an influence to others that they go, man, if he can do it, I can do it. If he can go after the Lord, then I can go after the Lord. For the shoes, put on peace that comes from the good news that you'll be fully prepared. It doesn't say put on, uh, man, the daily news. It says put on peace every single day. In addition to this, put on the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the enemy. Man, I've heard it so many times. I'm just getting attacked. Well, where's your shield? Man, the enemy is just really, get your shield up. Man, get your community up. Man, get your faith up. Get, your, get, your, get, get, get those around you in your life to encourage you. Put on salvation as your hel- helmet and take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Now, why does all this matter? Because this is what Samuel was doing. He was putting on, he, he was putting on the priestly garments. And here's what he was doing. This is what I want us to do today. Colossians chapter 2. It says, therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus, so walk in him. Walk in the fear of the Lord. Man, walk in the fear of the Lord. Fear is not, ah, I always equate this. I've, I've said this years ago. It just stuck with me. And it's like you're taking a shower and all of a sudden God's like, boo. And you're like, ah. That's not the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is not like you got caught doing something. The fear of the Lord is, God, I, I revere you. I don't fully understand you, but I trust you. Your ways are certainly not my ways, but, man, I just believe. And, and please, so many times as Christians, we kind of we step on the side of, I believe if I sin, you're going to send me to hell. Like, and that's true and all those things. But we serve such a good God that say, God, I believe that when I obey you, you're going to pour down blessings over my life. And the blessings is not, and it's simply not the blessings is not, uh, Lord, finances and Lord, the health. And you, know what the ble- you know what the greatest blessing is? It's just knowing who he is. What gets, what gets rewarded gets repeated. What gets rewarded gets repeated. Every single morning, Lindsay and I will go uh, in the very front room with our Bibles and we'll read God's word. Why? Because Jesus is my reward. Nothing else. Jesus is my reward. The reason why we go to church every single Sunday, and, and I always say we go to church every single Sunday. It's somebody in this room and even online, I love you. But you're going to give me the answer of an 11-year-old. This is what Levi says when I go, hey, bud, we go to church every single Sunday. He goes, yeah, because you're pastors. <laughs> I said, buddy, man, if I was a, a greeter at Walmart, I would tell Walmart I don't work on Sundays. Because we go to church on Sundays. Even um, he was uh, playing in a tournament at basketball, and uh, um, he told his coach, coach said, okay, we got uh, games all day Saturday, and then uh, Sunday we have a game, and Levi's like, I can't do Sundays. <laughs> and, the coach, and the coach goes, why not? He goes, parents are pastors, we go to church. <laughs> Ain't going to fly. And then I leaned over to Lindsay and said, he blew our cover. He just blew our cover. Now they know who we are, you know, like, ugh. But I love this. It says that you will receive Christ, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him and established in faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Abounding in thanksgiving. I want you to notice Samuel, he grew up in the temple at Shiloh. And in this temple, there was a gluttonous priest 
who had a drinking problem. He never confronted his two sons that were stealing from people's offering. Two sons that were being violent and aggressive with those bringing offering to the Lord. Two sons that were abusing women in this temple. And Samuel said, you know what? He could have said, who's, who's my mentor? Samuel could have said, man, things, things got handed to them, and not, not, to, not to me. Samuel could have said all these different things as a young man. But you know what I really believe is Samuel said, I'm going to walk in him. I'm not serving man, I'm serving God. And he said, I'm going to walk in him. And once you see this, rooted and built up in Jesus as established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. What God was doing was he was rooting Samuel in his word. He was rooting Samuel. I really believe Samuel was able to do hard things because God rooted him in his word and in his presence. And man, God rooted him with some vision and with some faith. So many, if I go in my backyard and I put seeds in the ground in, in, in part of my six hours of, of preparation, you know, and if I put seeds in the yard and I put water on it, I go, Stupid seed and didn't give me a plant. Like, where's the, where's the fruit? You know, where's, where's the, where, where, that seed needs to grow and it needs to grow to establish roots. Establish some roots. I'm going to say something. My pastor Lindsay said this earlier. She said, you better explain yourself. But she's, I, but a rooted season is not a fruitful season. And so many times when we raise our hand, we say, Lord, be Lord of my life. Some of us, we do get to see instant fruit. But you know what that instant fruit is? Because someone else in your life was rooted and they grew and they began to produce fruit. But you know what this really is? God says, man, I need you to be rooted first before you see fruit. Because eventually those roots are going to grow deep. And when they grow deep, they're going to grow secure. When they grow secure, they're going to grow strong in the house of the Lord. Strong and what God has for your life. Then you begin to pr produce fruit. But who taught Samuel all of this? Hannah. Hannah. It says every year, 1 Samuel, each year his mom made him a small coat. You know what the small coat was? It wasn't like a sweet leather jacket or a nice little crochet thing. The Bible, theologians, they, want, they, they believe Hannah and Elkanah will come every single year to present their biggest offering, their best offering, and then they would check in on Samuel, and they say, you grew a little bit this year. I have a new ephod for you. I have a new priestly garment for you. Because what gets, what gets rewarded gets repeated. And they say, hey, you're, you're, man, you're, God's going to use you someday. And can you imagine saying, yeah, but look at these two jokers, Phineas and Ferb, and Eli, and all these things. And she said, hey, hey, we serve the Lord. We serve, we serve Jesus. And every year, they would, they would bring the sacrifice at the place that Samuel worked. And Samuel would see mom and dad honoring the Lord. It wasn't a, it wasn't a, 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 you know, it wasn't just, hey, Samuel, look what we're doing. Look at us. We're, we're doing this one thing a year. No, it was, man, we revered the Lord because Jesus is first. And then my son. And every year they modeled 
what it was like to be rooted and established. Friends, what gets modeled gets repeated. What gets modeled gets repeated. God's not looking for perfect parenting. God's just looking for those willing to be rooted and established. God's not looking for perfect people. But man, and I just have such a, such a burden and, desi- and, and, and a desire. Because I grew up, uh, when I was eight, parents divorced. They both remarried. I live in split households. And my mom, I saw her as a single mom, man, just trying to keep the faith together, keep her house together. When she married my stepdad, we inherited uh, four. And so uh, there were seven children in the house, seven of us. I look back now and I'd be like, y'all, seven, I ain't getting seven people ready for church. We're going to watch online. And we even have online then. We're going to watch stick figures and put it on that foam board. You know what I'm talking about? If you're that old, here's Jesus. Hey, he loves you. But every single Sunday, my mom said, we're going to church. One Sunday, my brother did not get out of bed. Guess what? He went to church in his pajamas. Because what gets modeled gets repeated. What gets modeled gets repeated. What gets modeled gets repeated. But what got rewarded gets repeated. My mom even put out her, I remember to this day, man, she was painting one day with stencils. She was like all aggressive. Mom, what are you doing? And she was A-A and an S. I was like, oh, mom's mad, you know, like, and then a space, F. And I, oh, and by the time she got, I walked away. I said, Mom's crazy. Mom's lost it. And I came back into the room and it said, As for me in my house, we will serve the Lord. What gets modeled gets repeated. It gets repeated. But there's so much more than Pastor just wants me in church every single Sunday. If that was true, I probably wouldn't be doing this message on Memorial Weekend. Can I get it again? Amen, everybody. No. It's about us first being rooted and established in Jesus so that our children's 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 can leave a legacy. And here's the result of obedience. 1 Samuel chapter 2. Meanwhile, the boy Samuel grew taller and he grew in favor with the Lord and with people. We see this in Luke chapter 2. Mary and Joseph lost Jesus. They lost him. Went on a little field trip. Went to the temple. Three days later, they, they realized they lost Jesus. So if you, if, you think, if you don't think you're a perfect parent, Mary and Joseph. Three days later, they're like, where the heck is he? I thought I had somebody. And so then they decided to go back to the temple. And they saw Jesus. And this is what Jesus said. Why do you search? They asked. Didn't you know? that I must be in my father's house? Did you know? Did you all, even though I'm the savior of the world, the angel told you, even though I'm still getting rooted and I'm still getting established because what gets rewarded gets repeated. And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and with favor with God and all the people. Where have I read that before, right? There are blessings that are found in obedience. And I want you to see this. Come on, you can clap. But I want you to see this. 
Where is Jesus in all this in the Old Testament? 1 Samuel chapter 2. The Lord blessed Hannah. She conceived and gave birth to three sons and to two daughters. Meanwhile, Samuel grew in the presence of the Lord. In chapter 3, it says Samuel grew and the Lord was with him. And he let none of his words fall to the ground. Israel, from Dan to Beersheba, man, from Parump, come on, to, 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 to whatever it is up there where the fair is. I don't know. Yeah. From Parump to Salt Lake City. I'll go, I'll go far, all right? And all of Israel knew that Samuel was established as a prophet of the Lord. And the Lord appeared to him. And the Lord appeared to him, revealed to him to Samuel at Shiloh by the Lord. Will you stand with me, please, real quick uh, today? I'm going to land this plane. But there are blessings that are found in obedience. Man, I hope you hear my heart today. I hope you hear my heart today. Uh, and I want to bless you this morning is what I want to do. I want to bless you. I want you to know God's not mad at you. Man, God's mad. He's, he's mad about you. That you're fearfully and wonderfully made, and he knows your heart. He knows your heart the moment you said, I messed up. For years, God, I messed up. I wish I had a time machine. I wish I could go back. He hears that. And he loves you. He loves you. He's not going to punish you. He's not going to kick you to the curb. But he wants to bless you. He wants to bless you. And he wants you to live a life that is going to influence our children. He wants you to live a life that's going to influence our kids. I got to speak at an eighth grade graduation this week. Man, I said, live a life that met, that influences people for Jesus Christ. I told eighth graders, I wish I made my faith public sooner in high school rather than later. Man, there are blessings found in obedience. Would you do me a favor, though? Would just every head bowed, every eye closed. The Holy Spirit's doing something. And maybe you're here today and you're saying, man, I, I've, been, I've been living in contempt. I've been living upset with God. Or maybe you, you just don't know and, and, and you've been living a life outside of God's word. Man, today's a great day to just give him your life, to give him your heart. To say, Lord, I want to be your child. Lord, I want to serve you. Lord, I want to grow in stature and favor. Really, Lord, I want to be blessed by your presence. I want to be blessed by simply knowing you. If that's you here today, we just raise a hand. I won't embarrass you. I won't call you out. I'm just going to count hands. One, anyone else? One, two, anyone else? Three, anyone else? Three, four, anyone else? Just raise a hand. That's all I'm going to do today. Anyone else? Four. Did I miss anybody? There's four hands in the house. Come on. Can we give it up for four hands? That's great. And let's pray real quick. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you. I thank you for those four hands today. Father, today we give you our life. We give you our hearts. Now, Father, I pray that as we repent of our sins, that we're going to serve you. Now, Father, I pray there's going to be Hannah's and Samuel's walking out of this place today. Hannah's and Samuel's walking out of this place today. I pray for Elkanah's man, Samuel's father. I pray for spiritual fathers to rise up in this church, spiritual mothers to rise up in this church. I pray for spiritual sons and daughters to rise up in this church. Don't let anyone despise you because of your age. But man, you're going to make a difference like Samuel. 
dip. Father, I pray, give us a healthy fear and reverence of the Lord today. Jesus, we thank you that we're carrying something else uh, 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 with us outside this auditorium. That God, I thank you you're carrying with us, man, your love and your grace. But Father, I thank you instead of killing us, instead of killing us, you sent your one and only son to die on a cross for us. But Father, thank you for paying the price. Man, as your pastor today, I'm going to close by blessing you. And I want to biblically bless every single person in this house today. That may the Lord bless you. May he keep you. May, may the Lord make his face shine upon you. Be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and to give you peace. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen.